Welcome to VBAC Birth Stories, a podcast where Australians share their journey to a vaginal birth after cesarean. We are a safe haven for women to share their own VBAC journeys and through these personal experiences, educate and empower listeners. I'm your host, Mel. And I'm your host, Steph. And this is VBAC Birth Stories. Hi everyone, today Steph and I meet Jess who lives with her husband and three children in the beautiful Samford Valley in Queensland. All of Jess's babies presented breach, which was actually the reason for her caesarean with her first baby. Yet Jess went on to experience two very different vaginal births following two successful ECVs, which involved her babies being manually turned to be head down. Jess's first VBAC included medical intervention, and her second VBAC was an accidental home birth, which she still revels in the memory of. Thank you, Jess, for sharing your unique and insightful journey with us. We found ourselves hanging off every word, and we're sure our listeners will too. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of VBAC Birth Stories. Hi, Jess. Thanks so much for joining us today. Would you like to start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. So my name is Jess and I live with my husband and three children and we live in Sanford Valley, just west of Brisbane, um, and I work in medical imaging. So Jess, before you had the kids, did you ever mm-hmm. have any particular ideas about childbirth or mothering sort of before you became pregnant? Not really. I don't think I really put much thought into pregnancy or labour or being a mum either. I really, I don't think I was overly maternal until all of a sudden I was dreaming about having babies and I knew I just wanted to have one. And at that stage, none of my friends had really had babies. So I didn't know much about labour or all the different options or anything really. So I I was pretty much an open book when I fell pregnant with Eve. And do you want to tell us a little bit about that pregnancy with Eve? We fell pregnant pretty easily, which we did with all three, which was great. We're very lucky with that. The pregnancy was pretty straightforward. I didn't have any major complications. I did have a lot of back pain throughout most of my pregnancies and especially with Eve. And I did find out that she was breech when I was around 30 weeks. So that was the main concern. We were booked in to have an ECV to get her turned when I was 37 weeks, but we actually went away. I'd finished up work when I was about 36 weeks and we went away for our little baby moon weekend. I thought I'd be fine, not thinking that I would go into labour anytime soon, but my waters broke on the first night, so we didn't even get to stay at the amazing resort. (laughs) Um, and I hadn't we haven't had the ECV yet so she was still breech do you know what kind of breech she was I feel like it was frank breech I feel like all all three of mine were frank breech Um, yeah it was a bit of a pattern by the third one did your your public hospital in Brisbane so they Mm -hmm. were willing to perform an ECV if it was successful you'd be okay to try a vaginal birth what if it wasn't successful? Where what were the alternatives? Were there any alternatives offered? There was definitely no other alternatives offered to me other than a cesarean. So we'd sort of just planned that, and I didn't ask for any other options. To be honest, I think I was a bit scared about a vaginal breech birth. I didn't know much about it, but I know that they, the hospital, was not 
a fan of doing it and they certainly didn't really talk about it to me. And it wasn't until my other births that I started to ask more questions and because I went to the same hospital for my other two. And my mum had a vaginal breach birth with my sister. From what she told me, it was pretty horrible and traumatic. It may have been traumatic just because it was her first birth. I don't know if it was necessarily that it was breached because um, obviously they didn't know. They didn't have ultrasound back then, so they didn't Mm. know that she was breached. So I think it was a bit of a surprise to the doctors. But she still managed to have it. She still had the baby. So I suppose that was in my head. She probably uh, contributed a little bit to any fear that I had surrounding a breach birth. And me and my sister were both breached, which is very yeah. coincidental that my, my babies were also breached too. So I don't know if there's a link there. When I asked any obstetricians, they were like, oh, there's no genetic link between yeah. having a breech baby. But it may just be that we have a similar shaped pelvis or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so she, so, yeah, we were planning on the ECB, which I really didn't know much about. I didn't really know much about any anything at this stage. I was very much just, like, doing what the doctors sort of told me to do um, and because she was still breached when I rang our care providers here in Brisbane they were concerned about us traveling back to Brisbane which was about a two-hour drive um, they were worried about me going into labor with her being breached so they advised us to go to the closest hospital and present there which is what we did pretty much we, I knew straight away that it was going to be a cesarean because she was breached how many weeks were you at this point? So I was 36 weeks and five days. And how did you feel about the cesarean when you came into the hospital? Did they do a bedside scan to just double check she was yes. breech? I wasn't really at this stage, I wasn't really that passionate about either birth. I guess I was just more excited about having a baby. And I was more in shock that we were having a baby way sooner than we had expected and that we weren't in Brisbane we weren't near our family like we didn't even have the car seat in the car like we were completely unprepared I did however have my hospital bag when we got into the hospital and they confirmed that she was still breech so they just prepared me for a cesarean so I think we waited a couple of hours before I went into theatre but I did start to labour while we were waiting I was starting to have contractions I was in a little bit of pain a bit of uncomfortable pain and I think I was around four centimetres by the time I went into theatre And how did you come to meet her? How was the cesarean? So, yeah, it was all pretty straightforward. I mean, looking back on it now, after having my other births, it it is a very sterile sort of cold environment compared to the other ways of meeting your baby. But, yeah, it was all pretty uncomplicated. They pulled her out and showed her to me and took her over to the little trolley to just do a quick assessment on her and suck a bit of fluid out of her mouth, I think. But she was healthy and I just remember looking over, like strapped to the bed with the blood pressure monitor cuffs on and looking over at her thinking god I just want to hold her like what's taking so long that was probably my main memory was just thinking oh my god I can't even get up and hold my baby I'm just like lying on this table but then eventually yeah they stitched me up and she ended up going to I think she went to the nursery they just took her away and Dave my husband went with her while I was in recovery which also looking back in hindsight was a little bit sad because I, I I didn't have that time with her straight away but he sent me a photo I had my phone with me and she was on nestled in on his chest so that was lovely oh. and they took me up to the room and they brought her in and I was able to start bonding with her and 
giving her cuddles and getting that skin to skin, which is so important. Bub came out fine, right? Breathing because you said she was sort of 36 weeks. So maybe do you think that's why she went to special care for a bit just to make sure that she was okay? Maybe, yeah. Maybe, yeah. They were a bit surprised she was early, but she was a fairly healthy weight too. And I do remember Ooh. the doctor saying, are you sure you're, you got your dates right? Because she was born, she was 3.23 kilos, um, oh, wow. which is not a bad weight for a baby that was a few weeks early. I knew that my dates were spot on. They must have maybe just gone to check her over, but she definitely was healthy, like she was breathing fine. So I don't think there was any any major concerns with her, even being a little bit early. And when you left the hospital, when they discharged you, did they give you any recommendations for future births? Not really. We ended up getting transported back up to Brisbane by ambulance. And then I was in hospital for a few days up in Brisbane. I think vaguely remember someone maybe saying, oh, you be a fine candidate for a VBAC because I know I remember going into theatre the obstetrician when she checked me she said you're progressing really well actually you're four centimeters which is pretty good for your first baby so I'm sure that down the track if you wanted to try for a VBAC it it would be okay but I don't really remember them having a big discussion with me about it. Do you want to take us now to Charlie's pregnancy Mm-hmm. Did you know before falling pregnant with Charlie that you would like to have a VBAC? Yes, I definitely um, knew that I wanted to attempt a VBAC. I knew that I didn't want to have to go through the recovery of a cesarean with a toddler, knowing that it was painful and I couldn't pick her up. Eve was under two years old when I had Charlie, so I knew I didn't want to have one if I could avoid it. So, yeah, I was pretty determined and I'd done a little bit more research around it done a little bit of reading and when I did fall pregnant with Charlie and I started having um, checkups with my midwives I had told them that I wanted to have a VBAC and they were pretty supportive from the get-go but I did have this little thing in the back of my mind thinking oh am I going to have a breech baby again or was that just a complete coincidence <laughs> leading up until when I found out he was breech again I was trying to do a little bit more I think to get my body sort of in better shape I wanted to get on top of the back pain I had an incredible amount of back pain with Eve so I I did try to do a little bit more stretching and I went and saw a chiropractor and then when I found out he was breech again, I found this amazing chiropractor who did the Webster technique and she really got my pelvis into a good position and it really helped my back pain, but unfortunately didn't get him to turn naturally. We did actually have an ECV with Charlie at 37 weeks, which was successful. Yes. When you found out that Charlie was breech, did it cross your mind or did you think, should I just go in for an elective Caesar again? Because the first cesarean, you know, it wasn't necessarily a negative experience for you. Mm-hmm. What was it driving you towards the other way? I just wanted to have a vaginal birth because I knew that that's, you know, that's what the body is um, designed to do. And I suppose I wanted to experience it. The recovery definitely played a, a role in my decision as well. I suppose I just didn't want to have surgery if I didn't have to. Like it's major abdominal surgery and there's always risks with everything so in my mind I just thought well if I can avoid surgery and if I can experience a vaginal labor which is you know what we are designed to do then 
yeah, I was willing to give that a go. Not necessarily because the Caesar was horrible. I was very keen to to go for the ECV because I I knew that if I could get him head down, that I would have a really good chance. And I just wanted to try everything I could. But when we found out he was breached and I asked the care providers about an ECV, I remember being told, no, we don't do ECVs on women who have had a previous cesarean because it's too risky with uterine rupture. So that was a bit of a bit of a blow. But I actually had a friend who had a friend who had just had a successful ECV, I think in Melbourne, and she'd had a previous cesarean, pretty much the same date as my two were apart. People were doing it and I knew that it was a possibility. So yeah, I actually remember saying to the obstetrician, well, I have done a bit of research and I think from what I've found that it's okay to do it. It's not as risky. I mean, it's no more riskier than attempting a VBAC anyway. And after a little bit of pushing, she did sort of suggest that there was an obstetrician in the public hospital who might be more willing to do it. And so she did set up an appointment for me to see him. But she certainly didn't offer that without me protesting. And did you have in your mind, again, with this pregnancy, if the ECV was unsuccessful, what were you thinking what you were going to do? At this stage, I was probably still pretty fearful about breech vaginal. I don't know why. I still wasn't quite at that stage where I was ready to push for that. I probably hadn't done as much research to sort of get me at a place where I was willing to feel comfortable to do it. So I think my plan was uh, if the ECV wasn't successful that I would probably just have a cesarean, even though it's not what I wanted. I mean, in hindsight, if I had a care provider who was pro-breach delivery and had sort of given me a bit of information and made me feel confident, I, I probably would have looked into it, but it was never an option for me. In terms of anything else, you did you said mentioned you saw a chiropractor this pregnancy. Did you do anything else? No, so not for Charlie. I did do some acupuncture and I did I looked up a bit of that spinning baby stuff to try and get him to turn. I did a few weird positions and stuff like that. Yep. Um, and my husband, I conned my husband into burning the moxa Chinese herb next to my toe, which yep. he hates and still talks about to this day that he'll never do it again. <laughs> um, I know. I mean, he was like, what is this doing? Like, how is this going to turn your baby? Like, And at the time I was like, no, come on, babe. Like, be positive. We've got to try everything. We're going to turn this baby. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work, but we gave it a shot. My friend had told me about a hypnobirthing course that she had looked into but I had left it a bit late. I, I suppose in the back of my head, I actually thought, you know what, this ECV is not going to work. I'm just going to have a cesarean. So I don't think I was mentally preparing myself for a vaginal birth. But when he was turned successfully with the ECV, I remember having this moment where I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to have a vaginal birth. What do I do? Like, yeah. I'm not prepared for this. I've done no prep. And then I remember just cramming. It was like cramming for an exam. I was like trying to get as much hypnobirthing information as I could. Like my friend was giving me the tracks and I was reading books and I was like, okay, I need to, I need to prepare. I need to prepare. But it was about two weeks. Actually, no, it was only one week after he turned till I went into labor. So, 
I don't know if I was as prepared as I could have been. Sorry, I was just going to ask what your husband's position on everything was like throughout this second pregnancy. Yeah. Was he supportive of your intentions with the VBAC? He was pretty supportive with whatever I chose. He just sort of took on board all the research and advice I had been told and I, I gave him my spiel and said, this is what I want to do. And he was like, well, okay, if it's... If it's what you want, but, you know, yeah, he's sweet. always got the doctors in, you know, you've always got the doctors in one ear saying, oh, these are the risks and there can be uterine rupture and it can hurt the baby. And I do remember him going, oh, God, that sounds pretty bad. Like, are, we sh- are you sure we should do this? And so I think I sort of had to give him a little extra push over the line, but he was fine. He knows that um, when I've got something in my mind, I'm pretty strong-willed, so he was happy to go, go along with it. You weren't? concerned too much about the risk of uterine rupture? What were the sort of appointments like at the hospital? I wasn't overly concerned. I knew that the risks were quite small and, you know, they sort of explained to me about their protocol with monitoring, you know, like they'd wanted to monitor you for any signs of uterine rupture and all that. I knew that there were, you know, they had their things in place to detect any issues. So I wasn't really ever concerned, to be honest. Do you want to take us to Charlie's birth? I went into labour again naturally at 38 weeks. My waters broke overnight. I remember thinking, oh, my God, like, I'm going to have a vaginal birth now. Like, I did remember freaking out a little bit, thinking, oh, God, what have I done? Like, (laughs) um, but I... (laughs) And because I'd spent like the last week trying to cram myself full of hypnobirthing techniques, I think I was probably not as relaxed as I should have been now looking back at it. But anyway, I I started contracting pretty early on, which was great. Everything kicked off naturally. And I remember getting out my earphones and I had the, you know, the affirmations playing and I was like, I can do this. I'm in a great headspace like everything's great and oh yeah I think when I when my waters broke I rang up the hospital let them know and they wanted me to go in to be assessed to make sure I my waters had broke even though I was very confident that they had but (laughs) I did go in we went in um, in the middle of the night and they they checked me and they said yep uh, your waters have broken, no surprises there. Um, and I was, I think I was maybe like two centimetres. And so they said to me, you know, if you want to have a V-back, your best chances are to go home. Like she's like, go home, get comfortable, relax at home. You know, you've got a better chance of a successful V-back if you can just stay at home, which was really good advice. So we went home and we laboured at home during the night for a little while. I had the TENS machine on and, well, actually my husband was asleep. I was, I was labouring. Um <laughs> And and then it got to a point where I was just like, oh, I think I need to get out of bed. Like I can't keep still. Like it was getting pretty intense. And my mum had come over. She was going to look look after Eve while we went into the hospital. So I was just sort of rolling over the fit ball in the lounge room, just kind of swaying. And then I was like, oh, God, this is getting bad. And this was my first time really experiencing that kind of intensity of the contraction. It was a little bit daunting. And then we decided to go into hospital because I was like, oh, this is definitely ramping up. So we went in to the hospital about five o'clock in the morning and I kind of just got to this point as pretty much as soon as we got into hospital and we were greeted by a midwife who I did not know at all. And I think just going into hospital and being like out of my home and being in a foreign and then I think I must have you know things really started picking up and it was just intense and I didn't really have any coping strategies and I just kind of freaked out basically as soon as we got into hospital I was like oh my god I cannot deal with this pain I don't know what to do like I feel out of my comfort zone and 
So I pretty much just sort of said, oh, I can't do this. I, can't, I need an epidural. So I didn't even try anything else. Oh, no, I did try the gas briefly and I, it sort of made me feel a bit sick. So, so I had the epidural and that felt great. And then, yeah, we, we laboured in the hospital for a while. But I think due to the epidural, I think my contractions slowed down a little bit. So I felt like things were progressing well. And then once I got the epidural, they definitely slowed down a little bit. Towards the end, I remember the obstetricians would come in and check up on me. They knew I wanted a VBAC, but I know at the end they were a bit like, oh, he's not in a great position. He's not really descending well. He's, we're not, you know, we, we're kind of giving you until this time, you know, like they kept putting me on the clock a bit. And I remember feeling like, oh, God, like, come on, I'm so close. Just let me have this VBAC. And, and I had this amazing midwife and she was just beautiful and she knew what I wanted. Um, I had never met her before, but she was just so encouraging. And um, she knew I wanted to be back. So she was really advocating for me. And she kind of propped me up in bed, even though I couldn't really feel my legs. And I was leaning forward so that we'd sort of get him in a good position. And and then she sort of said, oh, I don't know what the obstetricians are going to say. I, I think they're going to want you to have a cesarean soon. And I was like, no, like I was pretty devastated. But then some miracle happened. And the obstetrician came in for this final check and I just remember she checked me and she's like, oh, he's in the perfect position. You're 10 centimetres. You'll go. Let's do this. So, yeah, I was able to um, go ahead and push him, push him out. But it was over an hour of pushing and it was, you know, the traditional hospital legs in the stirrups and all that, which I now know was terrible for my pelvic floor. And I did end up having an episiotomy at the end because he was sort of just coming out and then going back and coming out and going back. And they kind of just said, oh, look, you know, if we give you an episiotomy, he's going to come out in the next push, you know, like he's, we've been doing this for a while now and he's not really coming out. So are you happy to do it? And at this point I was just like, oh, let's just get this baby out. So yeah, I agreed. And then he, yeah, he was out. He came out and pulled him up on my chest and it was, yeah, it was such an, a, an amazing moment compared to meeting Eve in the hospital theatre, like being able to pick him up and put him on my tummy and like it was just amazing. Like I could not stop crying. I, I just remember sobbing like out of happiness. I was just like this is the most amazing feeling in the world. It was just, it was surreal. It was beautiful. That's so yeah. great. Jess, I actually have a question. Of, it's, it's going back a tiny bit. When you asked for the epidural, did they do a vaginal exam on you before getting the epidural to find out how far along you were and how, di how far dilated yeah. you were? Yeah, they did. The, the young midwife, she did check me and she told me I was five centimetres. And she did say, you know, do you want to hop in the shower? You haven't hopped in the, sh you know, hot water can be really good. And I did try the gas, but I think I was just, I was just freaking out. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know what to do to get myself into a good headspace. Yeah. And at that point you felt that the pain, was it more of a pain th threshold or do you think it was a mental thing as well? Just, just feeling that stress? I think it was. I mean, I now know that my pain threshold is way higher than that. I think it was a mental thing. We have since done a complete hypnobirthing course and I was way more prepared for my, my last birth with Jude. And I now look back and think, oh God, like I just, 
I didn't have like a sort of a coping strategy. I didn't really have any um, techniques, you know, to use for coping and staying relaxed. I think it was just that I wasn't relaxed. I was really stressed. I was in my head. I was thinking too much about everything. And even though my husband was there and he was supportive of whatever I needed, like we hadn't really come up with a plan together of how we were going to get through this and, and to keep me calm and do all the breathing. Like I had no idea about the breathing. Like I'd read about it, but I hadn't practiced it. Mm. And my husband was, you know, like he was supportive, but he wasn't sort of like, oh, you can do this, you know, like you don't need it. Like I hadn't really sort of said to myself, oh, I want to try and do it completely natural. I think I was just still in shock that I was even going to have a VBAC at all. Yeah, I didn't, it I didn't know. It still sounds like an amazing birth. Yeah, it still was. You had that rush of hormones, obviously, when Charlie was born and you lifted him up. Did you yeah. want to take us back to that moment now and, and what happened sort of yeah. after that? Yeah, he came out and, oh, I should say that I they tested my temperature when I was pushing and I did actually have an elevated temperature, which I now know can be because of an epidural and all that. So when he came out, they were a bit worried about the fact that, you know, they thought the temperature may be an indication of an infection. So they had said to me that he will be needing um, antibiotics, which I was a bit hesitant to um, agree to. But I ended up, I ended up agreeing to it. But, but anyway, yeah, when he came out, it was, it was amazing. It was just beautiful, and they gave me the needle in the leg to get the placenta out, which came out fine. And then they stitched me up. They stitched up the um, episiotomy, and he just stayed on my chest for a really long time, and it was just beautiful. And then, I, yeah, not long after that, I, I got him to the breast and tried to get him on, and. He was very happy and content, but we did have to stay in hospital two nights and he had to get a little IV cannula put into his hand and they had to give him a course of antibiotics before we could go home, which, yeah, was a bit unfortunate. And I don't know if it's a coincidence, but looking back, like I do, uh, for the first few weeks when we got home, like I, I remember him being incredibly unsettled at night and my husband and I were like oh gosh he's so different to Eve like I'd feed him and he was just so upset like he was in pain and I I I didn't know what was wrong with him like I didn't know if it was wind or if it was what it was but I I do sometimes wonder if the antibiotic did sort of affect his you know his um stomach Mm. so who knows like the gut bacteria in the stomach yeah I I mean afterwards as soon as I had him I my temperature was back to normal I mean maybe it was just that I was like pushing like crazy for an hour I don't know (laughs) and how was your recovery the the episiotomy healed fine you know recovering from stitches even though it's only a few stitches it's such a sensitive area (laughs) Mm. yeah I was pretty shocked at how sort of how long it sort of took for it to feel a little bit, you know, a bit more comfortable to sit down and stuff like that. But I did have um, months and months down the track, I did actually have a fair bit of pain um, and I did have to go to a pelvic floor sort of physio and she told me that there was a fair bit of scar tissue that had sort of formed around it. So I did have to do a few strange massaging techniques uh, to get to get rid of it, which it, it, mm. it was fine after that. But there was a few complications there for a while because of it. Do you want to take us to Jude's pregnancy? Mm-hmm. So we were 
not 100% about having a third baby for a while. I was a bit on the fence for a little while. And, and then I kind of just got to this place where I was like, if I need to, if, I, if we're going to do it, we just need to do it. Otherwise, I'm going to get too old. And if we're going to have this baby, let's just do it. And so anyway, this, we decided to just do it, which I'm very glad we did. But I fell pregnant quickly again with Jude. And I knew I wanted to have another V back. I knew that I wanted to be more prepared this time and I felt a lot more confident knowing that I'd had a successful V back and a successful ECV that I knew that it was definitely I was going to prepare myself for the kind of birth that I wanted from like day 1 so that I wasn't leaving anything up to chance at the end. I enrolled us into a hypnobirthing course and um we did it over 2 days on a weekend and even though a lot of it was stuff that we'd already known because we'd already had two births, there was just so much great information, strategies and coping strategies. I was really happy that we, we did that early on. And mm. then I just pretty much spent the rest of my pregnancy when I could. Um, I tried as hard as I could to practice, but I found it really between having the two kids and being pregnant and exhausted, like I'd go to bed and try to listen to these tracks and I'd just fall asleep, which I know they say is, is still a good thing. <laughs> but I, I didn't really think I was doing anything, to be honest. I was like, am I even, like, am I doing it right? Am I prepared? Like, am I actually, like, you know, I was freaking out towards the end, going, I don't know if I'm doing enough. And towards the end, and especially when I went on maternity leave with Jude, I really got stuck into it then and I really got myself into a good headspace and I had days where the kids were at daycare and I was able to just spend the time on my own just like nesting and you know I did a little um, vision board you know pictures and and mm. mantras and stuff like that that just really resonated with me so I had that up in the bedroom and I had like all the birth affirmations in the bathroom and all around on the mirrors and um, I just listened to so many birth stories and podcasts and I watched all sorts of shows and documentaries and I read so many books I read that Rhea Dempsey one and heaps of stuff I just felt like I was like cramming it in but I did it over a much longer period this time and during this pregnancy you were physically well there were no other medical complications no everything was pretty straightforward I was expecting him to be breech again I think I was just assuming that that would be the case I kept up with my chiropractor um, I should say in between having Charlie and Jude, I got into fitness a lot more and I was doing a lot more physical activity and I feel like I was in a really healthy space when I fell pregnant with Jude. So I actually found that I was the most comfortable in pregnancy with Jude. I didn't have anywhere near as much back pain. I felt strong and I felt fit and I wasn't that tired which is weird because I was running around after two children. <laughs> um, I just kept up with the Cairo and I, I, I did a lot of spinning baby stuff. I, I knew that I probably wasn't going to be able to turn in myself, but I wanted to get my body, my pelvis into a really good space. And hopefully that would help, you know, with another successful ECV if all my pelvis was aligned. And did you have a plan again in the back of your mind? Okay. I know you had a successful ECV before, but was there any like plagues of doubt? What if this doesn't work? What am I going to do? Or did yeah, you- yeah, I definitely did. This time around, I was like, right, plan B. Um, and I do remember bringing it up in one of my checkups. I said to them, if I don't have a successful ECV this time, I am really, really want a vaginal birth. And I want to know what my options are surrounding a vaginal breach delivery. I wanted that to be my plan B. I 
remember bringing it up with the midwife at one of my checkups and she wasn't against it. She was like, it's definitely something we can look into. They were a lot more, I don't know if it's because I, I suppose because I'd had a previous VBAC that they were a little bit more happier to sort of talk, even just talk about it with me. I felt like they were going to sort of look into it with me if we needed to. And because I was going through the public system, I didn't have a designated obstetrician who was looking after me. And from what I gathered, there was plenty of doctors who had a lot of experience in the hospital with vaginal breach deliveries. But whether they were going to be on when I went into labor was the issue. Like I wasn't really that confident with how well I was being received if I did have to go down that that track. I think if I hadn't have had a successful ECV, I was feeling very happy and confident, especially after doing the hypnobirthing course and doing a lot more research into the breach deliveries. I was probably um, going to try and, yeah, I, I wanted to try for one if I, if I had to, if I didn't have an ECV that worked. They had organised with the previous uh, obstetrician who had done my ECV with Charlie, which gave me a lot of confidence. I was really happy knowing that I was going to have an ECV with the same obstetrician who had done it so easily and so quickly and it was another very quick straightforward procedure like yeah it was over and done with within a minute when the ECV worked because I think even though I was planning for another VBAC and a you know a, a natural delivery this time I still had that little bit of doubt in my head I was like what if it doesn't work like what if it doesn't work my plan might go out the window and I'm gonna have to like fight everyone for a, <laughs> a vaginal breach delivery but I was really happy that it worked so then I could sort of relax and I felt I could really focus now on you know those last few weeks of pregnancy where you're like really getting into that zone where you're ready to meet your baby. Did you want to take us now to Jude's birth and what unfolded? Yep. I was expecting another early-ish baby. So I was prepared for, you know, another 38, maybe 39. But of course, you know, he made me wait uh, a few extra weeks. So I was like, it's actually probably a good thing because I think when I got to about 38 weeks, I was sort of not mentally ready. I was like, oh, my God, I could go into labor any second. And I'm, I don't feel like I'm ready yet. Even though I've done all this preparation, I was kind of still freaking out about it. I don't know why. I think I, I just overthink things. But luckily, he hung in for another few weeks. So it wasn't until 40, I think I was 40 plus six, that I went into labor. And at that stage, because I was expecting him weeks ago, I was like, oh, my God, I am so ready. Can you just come out already? Like, I've had enough of this waiting. They had offered me um, a stretch and sweep if I'd wanted it, like uh, the previous week or so, but I declined. I was really um, adamant to try and just do it completely natural. I didn't want to set off a cascade of events or anything like that um and they that was so good my I was in a different midwife team this time it was only a group of three seeing the same women all the time and they knew my history and they knew what I wanted and they knew I was doing hypnobirthing and um I, they knew I wanted it to be as intervention free as possible and I had already told them that I didn't want to be monitored really and I didn't really want an IV cannula and all that so they kind of knew where I stood but I was expecting to still have to say no and all that when we went into hospital my waters broke in the morning actually at 7:30 in the morning on this particular day and 40 plus 6 and um 
the night before. I, I mean, I don't know if it's what we, my friend, my friend had told me I was desperate to get this baby out. My, I was like, oh, what, like I'd, I'd done um, some acupuncture and, you know, walking and sex and nipple stimulation. I'd done all that for the last previous couple of weeks, but it wasn't doing anything. But, and I don't know who's a coincidence, but my friend had said to me that someone had told her the three R's. Um, she said, you should try the three R's because that's what I did the night before I went into labor. So the three R's are a red wine, a root and relaxation. So, <laughs> I hadn't actually heard of that. that yeah, either. neither had I. Obviously, had I heard that sex can bring it on yeah yes the three hours so, very um, australian too you know like i know right? i know i know i'm like come on red guys. wine root and relax is that it yeah red yeah. Wine. yeah yeah so we did that the night before i was like all right let's just do this i had a red wine and anyway i was like whatever let's just try whatever like i don't even care now yeah that night i'd had like i remember waking up during the night and feeling a bit uncomfortable um, and I'd actually this time, which I'd never experienced before, like I'd had like a couple of weeks leading up to having him or maybe a week leading up to him. I'd had a lot of like false starts. I don't know if it is it prodromal labor. Is that what they call it? Where you, yeah, or you sort of, Hicks, or well, it wasn't Braxton Hicks. No, it definitely wasn't. It, 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 act, it actually felt like I, I'd start, I'd start having these like contractions and they'd, they'd stick around for a few hours and I remember one day I was like babe it's happening take the day off work like I'm having a baby and then like three hours later they'd go and I was so disappointed like I thought a few times that we were going into labor and it was a false start but but after the three hours that night I had a lot of um like pain on and off that woke me up a really unsettled sleep and I was like oh this is weird and I thought maybe it was a false start but then the next morning I was just doing the usual breakfast routine and then yeah, I just felt um, a bit of water break. It wasn't a huge gush like I'd had before. It was just like a little bit of a, yeah, like a bit of a leak. But it, it was definitely enough for me to be like, oh, this is definitely something happening. I rang up my midwife and I let her know. And she sort of said, well, the protocol is that you come in to hospital uh, and get checked out. But I'd already told her I didn't want to do that. So she was like, well, it's up to you. Like, if you're already, I was already getting mild period cramps at that stage. And so she's like, look, if you want to decline, that's fine. It's up to you. You don't have to. And I, so I said, well, I don't really want to. So I'll just stay at home and see how we progress and I'll speak to you later. So my mum came over to be with the kids uh, at our house. And then we decided we were going to go to her empty house, which is closer to the hospital, so that... Um, we could just get into a good headspace, not have the kids around and just labour there for a while because I really wanted to stay at home for a bit longer this time. I think I was, I went into the hospital a bit too soon earlier with Charlie's. So we went there and we just hung out for a bit. It was a ridiculously hot day. I remember it was like some crazy heat wave here in Brisbane. It was like 39 degrees outside. We had the aircon on and I was just just in the zone I, I I was I had the um the hypnoburning tracks on and I was just getting into the swing of it and um I think we got to my mom's place at about 11 a.m and things were like getting closer together but I felt like I was in yeah I felt good I was relaxed and in control and um we'd also decided to get I forgot to say previously we decided to get a student doula this time I was recommended her through my hypnobirthing 
teacher and she was amazing so we'd had a few meetings previous to um, this day just to sort of talk about what I wanted and what kind of support I wanted and stuff like that so we had told her um, that I was in labor at my mum's place and she was going to come over and meet us and then we decide sort of when to go into hospital because I was a bit worried about when I would know when to go in like I didn't know when is a good time to go like I didn't want it to be too early so so yeah we were laboring there for a while and everything was going nice and smoothly I had the TENS machine on and I was using that in between um, for contractions and then just swaying over the ball um, they told me that he was in a posterior position at the last checkup so I was just really conscious of getting him into a good position so I was just leaning forward the whole time and just um, letting the gravity sort of do its thing and we got to a point where my contractions were getting closer together and so my husband, he rang um, the midwife and told her where we were at and we said, oh, they're about five minutes apart and they're lasting up to sort of 90 seconds because my husband was like, oh, isn't this when we're supposed to go to hospital? Like, shouldn't we be going? But at this stage, I was feeling really good. Like I didn't feel like when I compared it to how I felt with Charlie when we got into hospital at five centimetres, I was like, oh, well, I mustn't be anywhere near there because I feel relaxed. And even though it's intense, but I'm breathing through it and I'm feeling good and I, I don't think I'm ready to go. And the midwife was even like, oh, there's no rush. Like you, if you want to come in, you can, but um, I don't think the baby's coming anytime soon. I remember she said that to Dave. So we were like, all right, well, let's just wait for Sammy, my doula, to arrive. We can sort of reassess in another hour or whatever. But then everything changed and everything just went really quickly. From the half an hour from when we called the midwife to when Sammy arrived, my contractions just got really close together very quickly. And they started to just get very intense to the point that I was sort of not struggling, but I was just like, whoa, like this is moving really quick. Like I didn't really have much time to sort of like gather myself between each contraction. And um, I remember thinking, oh, I just want Sammy to get here because I'm starting to feel vulnerable and I'm feeling like I don't know if I can do this. And then I had in my head, oh, God, we have to get in the bloody car. We have to drive for 20 minutes to the hospital. I can't, I don't want to get in the car. Like, this is going to be terrible. So when Sammy got there, she said that she saw me like swaying on the ground and she's like, you were so calm. She's like, I had no idea how far along you were. She's like, you were just breathing through it and you're just in the zone. And Dave even said to Sammy, he told me later, was, oh, I told her that I thought we should go to the hospital because you were starting to be quite vocal and you hadn't done that before. And Sammy even looked at me and was like, oh, no, no, I think she's got a bit longer yet. I think we're okay. <laughs> so anyway, we decided we needed to go. We got up. I just didn't want to leave. I just remember feeling like I just don't want to leave this house. I'm like happy. I'm comfortable. I'm safe. I'm in a dark room. I don't want to leave. Like I don't want to get up in the car and be sitting upright. Like I just wanted to be leaning over. But I was like, oh, well, we're just going to have to do it. So I remember walking outside and getting this massive contraction just as we were, as I was about to open the door to get in the car. And it was just like, I don't know, it felt like so much pressure. I felt like I could feel him like really drop down. And then I remember saying to Sammy, oh, I just, I think I need to go to the toilet before we go. I feel like I need to poo. And I'd never felt this before. So I was like, I legitimately need to do a poo. Like, do not let me get in that car because I need to go to the toilet. And she, um, 
<laughs> she was great and she sort of was like, okay, yep, sure, let's go inside. Let's just go and see if you need to do a poo. And then she sort of said to Dave, can you please call your midwife and let her know that Jess feels like she needs to poo because something's going on here. <laughs> so um, we went inside and I sat on the toilet thinking that I did need to go to the toilet and then everything just went like so fast. So one, yeah, I was sitting on the toilet and then my, I just like got these, just the contractions just changed. Like they were so close together and they were so intense and I just started like making these noises. Like I'd never made these noises before. And I was like, what is, who am I? Like who is this beast? <laughs> I um like it was just so primal like and I couldn't stop it and my body was just doing this all on its own it was just like all of a sudden it was just bearing down and I could feel my stomach just contracting really hard and like pushing this baby down and I was like oh my god like what's going on like what am I doing like and I was just just screaming mess at this stage Meanwhile, I was on the toilet and screaming like a crazy person. And meanwhile, David's on the phone to the midwife and she can hear me yelling and carrying on. And she's like, you need to call an ambulance. You're not going to make it to the hospital. She's going to have a baby. So, <laughs> so um, oh, wow. yeah, so he gets off the phone and then calls the ambulance. And then he stays on the phone to the ambulance the entire time until they got there. And he's giving me instructions that they're ambulance was saying okay you need to get her off the toilet now we don't want a baby in the toilet get her off the toilet she needs to go and, and lie and down what was going through your mind <laughs> i i was really um in my mind i was just like let's have this baby i do not care that i'm not in the hospital i don't care that there's no ambulance here like i was just like get this baby out of me like let's just do it i, I was not concerned <laughs> at all i wasn't worried i wasn't freaking out i wasn't like, oh, what if there's something wrong with the baby? I did not even think about that. I was just like, my body is pushing this baby out. And That's I'm amazing, not Jess. It. That's just so amazing. <laughs> Sammy took me back into my mum's bedroom and luckily she'd left all these old towels on the bed for me. And so I don't know why we chose the floor. Well, actually, my mum had this like beautifully white bedspread on her bed. I just remember looking at it thinking, <laughs> I cannot get on that bed. <laughs> I remember just thinking, I am not going to ruin that bedspread. She's since told me, she's like, Jess, I wouldn't have cared. It was an old Duna cover anyway. Like, I wouldn't have cared. <laughs> but anyway, we, wow. we ended up back in the room and got the towels and put them on the ground. And Dave was sort of standing back on the phone and he was like, <laughs> I remember him saying, okay, we need towels. Put towels down. <laughs> and Sammy's like, right, right, okay, here's the towels. Let's put the towels down. And then he's like, okay, we need, we need, a, um, uh, we need a safety pin. We need a safety pin. And I'm like, what? I just remember hearing that, thinking, what on earth do we need a safety pin for? No, was it a safety pin? No. You know, like the pins, I don't know what they said. Maybe it was one of those nappy pins, you know, those old school big nappy pins? Yes. I'm assuming now that it was for maybe for clamping the umbilical cord I don't know yeah and then I found out later that the ambulance is like okay well we obviously need your address because we're sending an ambulance to you and my husband didn't know what my mum's address was even though we'd been there so many times before so he's <laughs> running outside in the 39 degree heat to look at the letterbox then running up to the corner of the street to find a street address <laughs> so he's like running around like a crazy person trying to get the address which he finally does 
And then um, I'm on the floor. I just remember being on the floor on my side, looking underneath my mum's bed, and it was beautiful and dark. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see what was going on in the room, and I was just looking under the bed, and it was just so perfect for me because I was like, I don't want to see what's going on. All I could do was just be inside my body and feel what was going on and look under that bed, which was dark. (laughs) And, yeah, so my body was just... I don't really think I was actively pushing at this time because I didn't really know. It took me a little while to sort of figure out what was going on. Like I knew the baby was coming, but I didn't know whether I should be because I didn't have a midwife there saying, oh, yeah, you know, you're 10 centimetres, you're good to push, whatever. I was just like, well, what am I doing? Like, So I was kind of just getting my breath and like trying to figure out what was going on and like understand this sensation that I was having where this my body was just pushing this baby, but I also wasn't sort of helping. I wasn't pushing along with, with it. And then all of a sudden I heard the ambulance people arrive and I still didn't want to look at what was going on. I was just in my in my head and this beautiful paramedic, she was just amazing. I could just hear her voice and she was just so calm and she was like, oh, you know, like I know this is a bit intimate, but I'm just going to have a little look and see what's going on. And I think their plan was to get me on the stretcher and get me in the, in the ambulance. I don't know if they knew that I was close to having him. And mm. I remember thinking, oh, my God, I am not getting on a stretcher and leaving this room. I'm having a baby right this second. Like, that's ridiculous. Why would they want me to do that? I remember realising, right, okay, I need to push this baby out right now so I'm not getting on that stretcher. And so I, I gave a big, like, I gave a push when I felt this contraction come and then she was like, oh, no, there's a head here. There's a head. Okay, we're not going anywhere. The baby's coming. And meanwhile, Sammy, my doula, was next to me and she was awesome. She was like, I mean, she was probably just as shocked as I was. I don't think she was expecting me to have a baby on the floor there, but she was just keeping me calm and she was just like, you're doing great. Like, you know, just just get your breath and just breathe slow and like you've got this, you're, you're, you're doing great. And then Dave's in the background, like the poor thing, probably stressing out. Like he said to me later, he was like, oh, my God, I thought I was going to have to deliver this baby. I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. <laughs> when she sort of said to me, oh, I can see a baby's head, I just felt so relieved. I was like, oh, thank God. Like I'm so close to the end now. This baby is coming out now. This is awesome. It was a bit of a weird sensation. It was like, I mean, I've heard people refer to it as like, the burning ring of fire. <laughs> um, I remember that popped into my head because I was like, oh, yeah, but it kind of feels a bit weird right now. And then um, that was probably the most uncomfortable part, but it wasn't for very long. And then it was such a relief when I pushed his head out. I, I'd rolled onto my hands and knees. The paramedic had said to me, I, I need you to roll over to make some more room because I can't really see what's going on. And she kind of said, "You can you roll onto your back for me? And I'd spoken to my doula, Sammy, about I didn't want to labour on my back. I wanted to sort of like be in a better position for gravity to do its thing. And she's, she said to me, oh, Jess, don't, do you want to go onto your hands and knees? Like I think that would be better for you. And I was like, yes, thank you for reminding me. Yeah, I was on my hands and knees and the paramedic was behind me and she was sort of assisting, like sort of pushing down and just making room as he was coming out. Yeah, he just came out in one in one last contraction. He just slipped out and I just remember looking between my legs and I was in complete shock. Like I was kind of emotionless. It was weird. I 
I wasn't the emotional mess that I was when I had Charlie. I was just relieved, but also like in shock. I wasn't upset or, or happy. I was just like, whoa, that that just happened really quickly. Wow. <laughs> and did you did you pick him up? Like did or did the paramedic um, or your husband um, like sort of no, so upload to you? She caught him. And I just remember he, she had him on the ground on a towel and I actually got my husband to take, well, he took some really great, well, they're not great quality, but he got some really good action shots when it was happening just after he'd come out. And there's this picture of Jude and he's just like on the floor, just like wide eyed, just looking up at this, up at this paramedic and he wasn't crying or anything. He was just looking at her kind of gurgling I think he might have had a bit of like mucus or something and she was rubbing his chest and he wasn't crying at this stage and she was just sort of like talking to him a bit like oh hello you've come out and I just remember looking down saying is he okay um is he all right he's not crying and she sort of said oh it's all right he's just a bit in shock I think he came out pretty quick um he'll be all right we're just going to give him a little a little rub and I think they might have puffed him in the face with a bit of air and he sort of just he was wide-eyed, wide-eyed the whole time and then I was like, can I hold him? Like, I really want to hold him. And so then they passed him through my legs and Sammy was like, take your shirt off, quick, strip off. We need to get him on your chest. And so I stripped off my shirt and my bra <laughs> and, um, yeah, now completely naked. And, yeah, they just, she just passed him up to me and I sat on the bed. But before I sat on the bed, I was like, can you guys put some towels down? I don't want to ruin my mum's <laughs> dinner. <laughs> so I, um, I sat up on the bed and they put him on my chest, wrapped the towel around him and I was just, and then he, yeah, then he started crying. And it was just like, I was in shock. I was just like, wow, I cannot believe I just did that. Like I was so amazed at what I just did and like the power of, laboring a baby and pushing a baby out in the human body I was just like holy cow like that was so amazing and intense it was oh. just unreal oh, I'm getting emotional listening yeah, to that that I, was really I beautiful think that's such an incredible story that it happened yeah. that way Jess it's just amazing yeah. yeah yeah it was pretty it was pretty beautiful yeah and so as you were birthing did you feel what sort of sensations were you feeling pain-wise um, and how were you coping with that? Yeah, so all my hypnobirthing strategies and tools went out the window completely, I think, when I start. I mean, I guess it was transition. I don't know. It was the first time I'd experienced. I, I remember feeling a bit like sick and hot and flushed and like I wanted to vomit as I was walking to the car. So I'm guessing it could have been transition. Yeah. But mm-hmm. from then on, like everything I'd been doing went out the window. Like I didn't have any strategy at all. Like I was just like winging it like I had no idea what I was doing and all the relaxation breathing and I remember the hypnobirthing teacher said to us she's like you know your hypnobirthing breathing will only take you to a certain point and once you get to transition and you start pushing like it's different all the relaxation breathing you can't do that anymore you just know you can't do it it's not doing anything you just kind of have to breathe like as if you're sort of bearing down breathing but it was a different pain you know like the pain that you feel when you're cervix is dilating and you're going through that for all those hours like and then all of a sudden it changes and you've got this pressure like coming down and it wasn't really painful um it was just 
I don't know, it was just like completely out of your control and I just went with it. I just remember thinking I'm not going to fight this. I'm just going to surrender to it and just just let my body do its thing and I was just tried to stay as calm as I could. I mean, I I think I was I wasn't fighting it. I wasn't fearful. I didn't feel scared or worried. I just sort of did what my body was making me do. I did actually have a second degree tear with Jude, but I don't really remember ever feeling it. It wasn't until afterwards when I was lying on the bed that I said to the paramedic, I feel a bit of pain down there, actually. It feels a bit sore, but it wasn't until the hospital until they saw that I had the tear. When you had Uh, Jude on your chest did you get delayed cord clamping and how did your placenta come did they take you to the hospital for the placenta delivery I had already decided that I definitely wanted delayed cord clamping and I wanted to deliver the placenta naturally so well they actually said to me we're going to give you this needle now to give the placenta and I was like no I actually don't want that thank you but I want to deliver it naturally so if everything's okay can we please just, just stay attached and we can deal with that in the hospital and they were just like yeah that's fine we stayed yeah attached uh they didn't clamp it or anything they didn't clamp the cord or anything and by the time I got transported to the hospital and admitted and all that and made it to our birthing room it was close to an hour after I had him and I remember the midwife saying well what do you want to do like do you want to do you want to come and sit on this birthing stool let's try and get this placenta out because it's nearly been an hour now it was a bit of a short cord, so I remember holding Jude and I was kind of hunching over because I couldn't pull him up too high because the cord wasn't very long and she got me to sit on the stool and she's like, just just bear down for me a little bit and see if this placenta is going to come out. And I was also trying to get him to, um, to feed. I was trying to get him to latch on to encourage that. But he wasn't really interested and nothing I did was, was working. The placenta just wasn't budging at all. And so I just decided to have the injection, even though... I'd waited all that time. Um, it just wasn't coming out. It just came yeah. out a few minutes later. And how long did you um, have to stay in hospital for? I think initially they were going to let me go home, like not, you know, maybe six hours. But when the placenta came out and they were inspecting it, they, my midwife noticed that there was a bit of meconium on it. So, and I had it all over my leg and everything. So I think they just wanted, they asked me if I would mind staying in for 24 hours just to monitor him, just to make sure. He was fine. So we just stayed in overnight. Yeah, they stitched me up then after the placenta came out and they got an obstetrician to come in and um, stitch me up, which was probably the worst part out of all of it. It wasn't really that painful, but just the needle, the local anesthetic, you know, jabbing around in there, it's just not pleasant. (laughs) I was going to ask you how you felt when you came home and um, your postpartum period and how did that really compare to Mm -hmm. your, your previous birth, I suppose? Yeah, your previous feedback. Um, I mean, I felt over... I was so ecstatic about the birth that I had. I was so pleased, even though, you know, when people and my friends and family found out, they were like, oh, my God, that sounds terrible. Uh, it was actually amazing. And not at, not at one point was I ever scared or traumatised or anything. So I was actually really happy with how the birth went. You know, it's funny because he's six months old now and... I reckon for the up until probably a month or two ago, every night before I fell asleep, I would relive it in my head, whether I wanted to or not. I would just, it was just, it was such an amazing experience that I couldn't stop thinking about it every night before I fell asleep. And I think part of me didn't want to forget any of it. So I kind of wanted to keep reliving it so that I wouldn't forget it. But when I came home, I, um, I felt really good. I mean, I did have some stitches which were quite sore. 
Um, and I did, I did actually end up getting an infection. Unfortunately, I don't know how because I did everything I did with with Charlie. I kept them clean and I I, I showered several a couple of times a day and all that. But I ended up getting an infection and it was horrible. Like just out of the blue, like a week later, I was just in so much pain. I just couldn't walk properly. Like I was uncomfortable to sit and I was taking pain relief so much. And so I ended up having to take antibiotics, which cleared it up straight away, which was which was really good. But I did notice though there was a big difference between um, my pelvic floor bounced back really uh, a lot quicker than I remember it being with Charlie felt like I had a, a very weak sort of pelvic floor and I would often sort of, if I sneezed or coughed, it took me a long time to sort of stop that like bit of incontinence. And I'm assuming that it's probably down to the fact that I was pushing um, on my back with with an epidural with my feed in stirrups for over an hour with Charlie, you know, not feeling anything and the, and the doctor's telling me to push, you know, really hold my breath and push, which is really bad for your pelvic floor as opposed to sort of pushing when my body told me to push a completely natural um, pushing stage. I was so amazed at how quickly I, I recovered. My pelvic floor seemed to sort of bounce back really quickly with Jude. And I felt like the recovery was just, apart from the little hiccup with the stitches, uh, I felt really good. Like I felt, you know, like back to normal, like really quickly. So before this had happened, had you ever entertained any ideas about home birth or did you know anything about home births at all? Or this was not something within your mental space that you looked at? So I had never considered a home birth before until we had done the the hypnobirthing course. Um, And I remember listening to something that she was telling us about home birthing and it all of a sudden became very appealing, but this was very late in my pregnancy. And I remember just jokingly saying to my husband, how would you feel about a home birth? Because it actually sounds very appealing to me. And he was like, don't be stupid. Like <laughs> you're like 30, however many weeks you are like, no, like we, and, and then I, when I actually really sat down and thought about it, I, I just, I think I left it too late. But one of my best friends actually has now had two home births and um, she'd had one at the time when I was, and I remember her telling me about her home birth and I was like, wow, actually, you know what? It actually sounds amazing. And I think now in hindsight, if I ever were to have another baby, which I'm not going to, I would <laughs> definitely plan a home birth this time. It's amazing that it all just kind of unfolded that way, you know, unintentionally. Yeah, it is. It is. It's funny because like I had really wanted this completely intervention free birth and I had you know I'd really worked myself up to sort of advocate and be like no I don't want monitoring no I don't want this I don't want this I don't want this because I knew the hospital policy I knew they were going to ask me and they were going to suggest and say that that's what they wanted to do but I really was just wanting to avoid all of that and it just so coincidentally turned out that I had like the most natural birth ever it's <laughs> yeah. a really really wonderful story um his journey to life and and just all all your three births so thank you so much jess for sharing your three vastly different birth experiences it's amazing what you did (laughs) Um, thank you incredible (laughs) yeah Um, yeah i think um, thank you it was it was really good and um i think you know like i think at the end of the day i mean you get a beautiful baby whichever way you have a baby but 
I feel like having faith in your body and just really surrendering, surrendering to it all. I feel like that's kind of what got me through it at, at the end. So, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Thank you for listening to this Be Back story. If you like the show, please subscribe and feel free to leave a review. If you would like to connect with us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for VBAC Birth Stories. If you have a question or you'd like to express interest in sharing your personal story, email us at vbackbirthstories at gmail.com. VBAC Birth Stories is a podcast where we share women's lived experiences. Please be advised that it's not intended to replace medical advice. If you have any concerns at all during your pregnancy, please always speak to your healthcare provider.